CinemaSins has a fan club. It's called The Sin Club, and members get all sorts of things like early episodes, bonus videos, merch discounts, and even monthly bonus podcasts. Membership starts at $3 a month, and you can sign up now at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. You know, when he read this, he spoke to Liam about it. And, you know, and Liam just said, whatever you do, just don't do what I do. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins. Joined as uh, always, I guess, on these interviews, Jonathan Watkins. <laughs> hello, hello. And uh, today we have a very special guest. It is director Mike P. Nelson, who has done a movie, I guess, the new Wrong Turn, that is uh, supposed to come out on demand, digital Blu-ray DVD on February 23rd. Mike, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. This is cool. Yeah, this is the this is a new wrong turn, but it's got the uh, original writer attached to it, Alan B. McElroy, and the the original of this movie came out in two thousand three, and it spawned four sequels. So, is this being considered a reboot? You know, that's that is the uh, that is the the sixty four thousand dollar question there. Um, you know, that's what we came into this um, saying that it was. You know, this is this is a reboot. This is a reimagining, uh, basically. You know. Uh, not a continuation. I don't even want to call it a remake because I mean, a remake comes along with its own, um, with its own baggage, with its own connotations. So, you know, when, when we started talking about this, when I read the script for the first time in 2017, um, you know, and discussed it with both Alan and, uh, um, the, the producer and executive at Constantine, uh, Robert Colzer, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was like, is this a remake? Is it a reboot? Think of this as like a reimagining of, uh, you know, like of the, of the wrong turn, uh, story. Um, because it's, it's very different. And, you know, that was like, okay, all right. Yeah. I'm into that. I'm into that. And, and that to me felt like a clearer representation of what it was. Yeah. The, uh, the, I guess in, and I haven't seen the other movies. I just remember the first one, mm-hmm. um, the, the, it's always the you know it's i i feel like all of them though are probably about you know uh, teenagers going out on vacation and they take a wrong yes. turn yes. and <laughs> and uh and uh you know some some monster redneck type people come out of the woods and kill them pretty much is what we're what we know from wrong turn and well actually i was gonna say i mean it's the the thing that carries through all six movies are are the uh the cannibal killers mm-hmm yeah, and you know, we get different characters in each in each one. So um, this movie, of course, does something a little, a little bit different than that. <laughs> right, right. This time you have uh, your your group of antagonists. I would almost put quotes around yes. the antagonist, though. Yeah, absolutely. Are the uh, foundation. Um, uh, this this society that has built up over time, over since eighteen fifty nine, since before the Civil War. Uh, they've created this society and they are uh, self-contained and, and, and you know, keep to themselves. But uh, people who find themselves, and in this case, uh, the wrong turn is a walk off the Appalachian Trail. You know, the, the people who find themselves uh, encountering these people disappear. And uh, that's what sort of uh, puts the movie into motion with Matthew Modine. 
uh, yes. looking for his daughter. So, so how did you get, how did you get uh, wind of this project and uh, what did you hope to bring to it uh, when, when you were hired on? So like I was saying, when I read the script for the first time, this was back in late 2017, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was given the script by uh, my manager, uh, Noah Rosen um, at writ large. And, and uh, Noah also reps uh, Alan. And um, so mm-hmm. he had the script and he was like, Mike, I got this script. I, you know, we, they were, we were looking for a new project and um, I, I had, uh, I had done some pitching for some other stuff and nothing was really, was really clicking with people. And so I got the script and I was like, huh, wrong turn. Okay. He's like, <laughs> and, 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 and I was like, yeah, it's a, I, I guess it's a remake or a reboot or whatever, but you know, it's by the original writer. You should check it out. I, I think, you know, it has a lot of your DNA in it. And I was like, okay, okay. Um, and you know, I came into this reading the script, um, with, uh, you know, with the baggage of what I know wrong turn to be. Um, I actually really enjoy the first film. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not, not so much the others, um, you know, part two maybe, but you know, then they, they, they just got a little tired. And so mm-hmm. I was like, Oh boy, mm-hmm. here we go. It's going to be more of the same. And so I came in reading this thing, you know, with that, like that preconceived notion, like I was kind of judging it, you know, before I read yeah. it, got in and you know, the first 30, 40 pages are pretty wrong turny, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, <laughs> You know, in, in the in the actual draft, we don't actually start with Matthew in the beginning. There was uh, there it started a little bit more just straight and narrow, kids in a car, or, you know, young adults in a car, um, you know, talking smack, and you're like, okay, here we go. We're 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 in wrong turnville here. Um, right. And uh, started reading it. You get to that midway point, and damn, does it go a completely different way that I was not <laughs> expecting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, honestly, when the I got to finish reading it, I'm just like, I didn't know what I felt about it at first. I was kind of like, huh, mm-hmm. that is not what I was expecting. So, you know, went on, um, let it let it like let it marinate for a couple days, honestly, because I didn't want to go back and be like, I don't know what I think about it. I mean, you know, I'm going to let I'm just let this, this this sit for a little bit. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was thinking like, man this being like a remake or a reboot of a series of films, like a ginormous series, like franchise of films and somebody, you know, a studio and a writer who want to take it in this, such a bold new direction. That's unheard of. Mm -hmm. You know? And, and, and I was like, I like that, you know, not only yeah. did, you know, and, and my man, uh, Noah was right. My manager was right. You know, it had my DNA all over it. It had the survivalist aspect to it you know, grisly violence and, and, uh, and, uh, and some really unique characters. And, and, and I'm thinking to myself and, and, you know, it had a lot of heart too at it, you know, it's father looking for his daughter, you know, characters that, you know, you know, definitely have their flaws, but, you know, feel real, you know, and, 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 and there was more to it than just a bunch of killing. Um, and so, you know, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this. And so, you know, put, uh, put some ideas together and, um, the funny thing about how this all kind of came together was uh, with, with Robert, um, I, uh, I had pitched Robert two films uh, prior to <laughs> prior <laughs> to, to reading this. And uh, one was this slasher film that sort of flips everything on its head. And, and I really wanted to like subvert the genre with that and still really want to do that more and more because I, I love the slasher genre. I just feel like slasher genre is getting tired these days. And how can we do something very unique with it? Oh, 
I'm down. Uh, and, and is so, that still happening or? And, well, it's a, still a script that I have that I will never let die. Um, you know, nice. you know, we got writers that, you know, a script hasn't been made. They've had something on their computer mm -hmm. 10, 12 years. Then suddenly it gets to see the light of day. So oh, you yeah. might get to see that one eventually. <laughs> um, but I also pitched in the shark movie that uh, um, John Scott, the third who wrote uh, Maggie, uh, the Schwarzenegger flick. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, him and I went around pitching it. And basically both of these two movies were just too weird for everybody. Like it just it just wasn't resonating. And uh, so I felt a little bummed out. But then. Um, when Noah was like, so Robert, I got this guy, Mike Nelson, he read your, uh, the wrong turn and, and, and he really likes it. He's like, wait a second, Mike Nelson, that you mean, is this the Mike Nelson who pitched me that batshit crazy shark movie and that weird <laughs> flasher thing? And, he goes, yeah. and I, I don't know if Noah at the time was thinking like, you know, that's a good thing or a bad thing. And immediately, I guess Robert was like, I want to hear his take, send him in. <laughs> um so uh so amy and and that was that was a really cool thing to 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 realize that you know it's like you know maybe my the, the couple of stories that i really wanted to tell you know didn't necessarily resonate with 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 the executives but but they remembered they remembered me and there was something there you know what i mean and so i think mm -hmm. you know that was a, a lesson that like a hard lesson but a lesson that i learned um as a new filmmaker in this in this system of filmmaking that that's that's as important as you know as as selling something is making sure that people like you and uh, would like to work with you. So so yeah. So anyway, pitched the movie and you know uh, went out. They flew out to L.A. Pitched the movie. They really liked what they heard. They said, Mike, put together like put together a real hearty pitch now for us. You know, we we've got your kind of a light take on it. Now we want to hear like what you want to make and how you want the movie to be. Went back home, sat down put the pitch together a couple, uh, couple months later or something, or it was a month later or something, um, pitched to them on the phone, got the gig. And the rest, you know, kind of, kind of went from there. And then it was just, it was just this, the, the fight to, to get this crazy new version of Wrong Turn made, cast all the craziness and, and, you know, well, here it is. <laughs> yeah. That is something that I've heard uh, uh, a few stories about and mostly with actors though, like actors will audition for something and, you know director didn't think that they were good for the part but mm -hmm. they were memorable enough that the next project came along they end up being the absolute star of that movie and uh you know it's it's you know f you can get a success out of failure i know that there are, are are probably way more stories of failure than there are success but oh, for sure the the point is is to go in and try your best every single time and who knows where that might lead down the road and everything. So it's sort of what it seems like to happen to you, uh, uh, in a way. Yes. Yeah, um, definitely. Definitely. I was watching this. I just kept thinking like, especially once the, once it got a little twisty, I was like, Oh my God, they Halloween three, this franchise, but <laughs> with the set, but with the seventh movie, like that is ballsy. No, no. So what's so funny about that is, is I had I had uh, uh, Instagram um, people uh, post on on some uh -huh. of my my images. They were like, "Oh man, what did you do? You ruined it! Like, where's the cannibals? Blah blah blah." And then suddenly they're like, "This is like the Halloween three of Wrong Turn." And I'm thinking to myself, "Well, damn, I kind of like Halloween 3. I was gonna say I said that as a positive. <laughs> that was a, that was a positive for me for sure. You know, but yeah. So, but yes, I you know I I. I, I realize that that's, that's, you know, I think we all kind of realize that, that, that this was a risk and, um, this, and, and a risk though, that we were all willing to take and, you know, knowing full well that 
it was our job to go in and actually just to make a good movie. Um, And that's what we set out to do. And and for me, seeing, you know, a, a studio executive who really wants to do something bold, seeing a writer who is like standing by his work and saying, this is the story I want. This is what I wanted to write. And the studio is saying, this is what Alan wanted to write. Like, this is what we're going to make. I was like, oh, my God. Like, as a filmmaker, you're like, this is the team I got to be a part of. Yeah. You know? Like, it's, it is. It's, it's like, you know, you, you hear the horror stories of, of, of battling um, uh, within the studio and trying to tell, you know, uh, a good story and, and how you get the pushback and, and, you know, all the different, all the cooks in the kitchen, all the boardrooms and, mm-hmm. and all that. And, and, and in this case, it was great. It was so, it was such a small you know, just, just a few people. And it was just, it was a very, it was a project that was close to everybody and everybody just wanted to see it succeed and everybody knew what what it was and they weren't trying to make it, you know, they didn't try to pull back and make it safer. And so like they, you know, more people might like it. It was just, no, nope, mm-hmm. and again, I had to be a part of that. I felt like that was something special and it's, yeah, you don't, you don't hear that story often enough. I don't think. Um, but also while I was watching, I was going to say like, you know, I, I was thinking in my head, but the movie's called Wrong Turn, right? It's not called mm-hmm. Cannibal on the Hills. So, I mean, the wrong turn is the hook, right? I mean, this could mm-hmm. easily be like an anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what more are you going to do with that storyline after six movies? I mean, I guess you could do Wrong Turn in Space, which I will say <laughs> I am on board for if you want to do that. But uh, no, I, I think you guys did a great job. It was a great decision. So, Well, cool. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think the most, uh, without getting into that twist too hard, although again, if you want to, you can, but um, I think the best horror movies are the ones that make you think about, you know, what you would do in a certain situation or uh, that, you know, the the horror is just sort of a metaphor for what's going on in the world or whatever. but in this one, you know, it, it's, it's very strange to come to this point and be like, he did this and I feel like he's justified, but, but (laughs) I, I, I can see the other side too. I, I don't, what are you supposed to do in this situation? Who, what's fair? What is fair in this situation? You know? And, uh, I do want to know how, what the, uh, building of the world of the foundation was like, though. That seems like that was pretty fun. Man. Like that's, that's one of my things I love doing. Um, whenever I, whenever, whenever it's something that I write or whether it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm looking to, to, to take on next is, I love when things can can uh, have have some world building, or at least have the setup to do world building. Mm-hmm. Um, with the domestics, which was my first my first feature, um, yeah. that was that was something that like was one of the it was something that was so incredibly fun to do, challenging but fun to do. Um, you know, for a movie that's you know an hour and thirty minutes, and like putting all this stuff in, but really understanding the world, understanding you know the different factions and all this stuff, and and creating all this great stuff, and 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 telling a story through the world itself. Um, and when I read this, I was like, oh my gosh, like I kind of get to I get to create an I get to create a new world again. You know what I mean? And and, and so um, you know, Alan had some really you know great ideas on the page, and then you know we expanded on that and had a great, uh, uh, our production designer, Rochelle Berliner, who, uh, was the production designer on domestics, you know, her brain and my brain work very, very much alike. Um, we, you know, like, like the DP that I worked with on wrong turn, uh, Nick Junkersfeld, who have been, you know, pretty close with for 10, 12 years now. 
Um, like, like we can finish each other's sentences. You know what I mean? Like we just get it. And mm. so it was great to be able to work with her. It was great to be able to like look through all these images. You know, I built this big, um, really nice thick. I took this, I bought this old thick um, uh, photo album from like 1915 or 1919 or something like that. And, mm. uh, um, you know, uh, stripped out some of the old pages and, 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 and uh, built the book up again and filled it full of all these images of, you know, um, images like, so it was less about writing like the history and all these little notes. It was just showing images of like the history of the foundation, the land of the foundation, the, the, the settlement of the foundation, the people of the foundation, the weapons hmm. of the foundation, the, 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 the violence of the found, you know, like the brutality of the foundation. Like, and so there was all these little sections in this book that, you know, anybody on set could look at and completely understand what I was going for just through image. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and and when you held that thing, it felt like you were holding a book that belonged in the foundation, too. So there was all these different things that, like, you know, I felt like you get a team of people together and then you 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 try to explain your vision and, and show them your vision. And having something that feels like it's actually already a part of the movie that's in their hand that they can look through, you know, both for the actors and for everybody. I think that was huge. And so then we started to explore all these things. It's, you know, we started to explore, like, pre-Civil War, Civil War you know, objects and, and lifestyles and, 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 and clothing and, and then, you know, uh, Native American and, and Viking, Scandinavian, um, all these things. And they all kind of merged to get, you know, mountain men, uh, you know, stuff like we, and we merged all that together because this is a community. And, and one of the, the biggest uh, notes that I always had for, for, for the, the departments working on this was the foundation is a group of people who left to go up on this mountain in 1859 and they haven't changed since they don't have decades. They don't, you know, we have deck, we have like, Oh, the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, the eighties. And you can clearly see those decades mm -hmm. uh, um, in, in our society, in our culture here. They don't have that. The way right. that they were back in 1859, or we'll say maybe like the 1860s when they kind of you know, maybe globbed on and really came to be um, that's how they've been. Because guess what? It works. Why why fix something that's not broken? And that's and and then you know you have John you have John Venable who's the leader of this foundation, um, and they have a very very clean, clear view on how they see the world, what's right, what's wrong, and that's that. So yeah, with those with those ideologies and with their thoughts on like how they dress, everything needs to be practical. Or everything needs to, it needs to be practical, or it needs to invoke fear. The practicality to survive and to live and to make it, and to continue their community. The fear to keep people out, and those were the main aspects of creating the foundation. And uh, John, I obviously want to get all the casting process here, but uh, John Venable is played by Bill Sage, who. Uh, Jonathan and I both saw in the pale door uh, mm -hmm. recently. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I was not familiar with him uh, before the pale door. And now I just want to see everything that he's in because he's, <laughs> he's so good. He's really good in this. Uh, but yeah, talk, talk about your casting, who you were, who, you know, what were you looking for and all these actors and how did you uh, meet them and, uh, and get them in the movie? Well, um, I mean, we can just start with Bill Sage and, you know, Bill Sage, well, the Venable character was a, was a tricky one because there were plenty of different ways you could have taken that character. 
Mm-hmm. You know, could have been, you know, the big, you know, ginormous, almost Neanderthal like dude who like just is like, these are the rules. This is it. And, you know, he's he, you know, he's seven foot tall and has dreadlocks <laughs> and a long beard. And, and you know, yeah. what I mean? and like, he's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, but like there was something even in the script and even, even I mean, the script had some description but it was still kind of like a little up in the air. And the one thing that, you know, when I talked with Alan and then even when I talked with Bill was like, there's something we have, we have to do something unique with Venable here. He can't just be the oafish, big, brutish bad guy. There's gotta be something else to him. And so like when we're going through casting, there were a lot of like big brute kind of dudes that, that, that auditioned for this or that, you know, I spoke to. Um, but then Bill sort of brought something a little bit in the middle. Um, he brought a power and a presence, but he also brought something gentle and strangely enough, a little bit suave mm-hmm. and something that shows that he's, he's a real man Yeah, um, that could have flaws. Um, one of his main flaws is, and spoiler or not, um, the, the, you know, falling in love. Yeah, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and and you know this 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 gruff guy who like abides by these rules and does all this stuff and you know <laughs> we are you know we are one body one people you know and then suddenly <laughs> it's like oh my god there's this girl and she's got a hold on him oh shit yeah you need to have somebody like Bill Sage to pull that shit off mm-hmm. um, you know and Bill Sage I mean one of the movies that I saw him in that I was just I fell in love with him in was uh, this um, horror movie called We Are What We Are. Mm. Uh, which is a um, uh, movie that uh, Jim Mickle uh, did mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, cannibal horror film. And he uh, was just, just had this presence that just, you know, this presence, but this brokenness at the same time. And I love that he was able to portray that. Um, and then of course he's an American psycho too, as the, you're reading off the business card. So <laughs> you have to, you have to, you, I mean, that's just, um, <laughs> Bill Sage to me was like, he's our, he's our guy. And you know, there was a little back and forth. Is he the right guy? And I was just like, damn it. He is the right guy. You guys, come on. I'm so glad we were able to cast him. Um, you know, you, we can move on to Charlotte Vega. And again, she was another, another casting choice that, you know, I think, you know, you go into a movie like this and, you know, you immediately or at least, you know, the studio, you know, they do. They want a name. And I, I understand that. that That's completely understandable. Um, you know, you, you want to sell tickets. You want to sell sell the movie. You want to get people to watch it. You want familiarity. And Charlotte's very new. You know, she's been in a few things, but she's still a, mm-hmm. a, a new name. She's not quite household yet. And but she's fantastic. Uh, I saw yeah. this movie, The Lodgers, that she was in. This is creepy, kind of supernatural, ghost, uh, uh, ghost housey kind of movie. And the power and the 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 just the the finesse that she brought to that character in, in that movie, I was like, if we can have that sort of performance in a wrong turn, we're set. Like, yeah, you know. And so, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so again, like she was another one that you know I was like I. We fought, you know, we fought for her. We we wanted to get her in this movie, and, and we did. Um, and we were lucky to have her. Um, mm-hmm. um, Modine, uh, you know, which, <laughs> which you know ended up being our name uh, in the movie. Um, yeah. was uh, fantastic to work with. He really brought like he brought this like this veteran, you know, like th- these veteran smarts to the set. You know, he really understood this character, this dad. He's a father with a daughter about the same age as Charlotte. 
And so mm-hmm. he came in knowing full well, like how he would feel and, and, and how he would react to looking for his daughter, knowing that he's not Liam Neeson, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny talking about that because I guess Matthew is good friends with Liam. And mm-hmm. when I first spoke with Matthew about the movie, he told me that, you know, when he read this, he spoke to Liam about it. And, you know, and Liam just said, whatever you do, just don't do what I do. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And, 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 and so, and so I was like, okay, okay. And, and, and so, you know, and, and I think that I, but I think, I think there's two different worlds here. I think you have the Liam Neeson, you know, go get your daughter, go get your son. You know, I'm going to fight the bad guys. And then you mm-hmm. have, you know, in our, in our case, wrong turn where you have a dad who's from the city who has, who doesn't have any combat experience. Isn't like, I mean, he's, he's a contractor who's from the burbs. Like mm-hmm. they're going to go and kick ass. You know what I mean? Like he's just right. going to go do what he has to do. And I mean, he gets the shit kicked out of him. He almost dies a couple times. I mean, it's just, and, but, but it's his love and it's his drive to save his daughter that gets him through there. Not necessarily yeah. his street smarts. Yeah. I mean, and uh, also out of this, you kind of get, uh, you get uh, a package deal out of this because Ruby, Ruby Modine does a song at the end of this. So, oh my. Um, and, and that w- was such a, uh, and that was all by a very strange um, coincidence. Like, we were shooting uh, some of the stuff with Matthew in the car when he was driving mm-hmm. and um, coming into town. And because we, we weren't really rolling audio in there because we didn't need it and blah, blah, blah. And so he just turned on his music and he started playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, wait, who is this? And I kind of liked it. It was good. It was like, it's kind of haunting vocals and very breathy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I like this. Who is this? And he's like, it's my daughter. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> her name is ruby modine and i was like wait a second you mean ruby modine from like happy death day yeah <laughs> and he's like yeah and i was like oh my gosh i why i didn't put those two things i'm just like okay all right all right this is crazy and so i'm like well i really like this you know so i looked her up i listened to to her stuff and you know when we were in the cutting process and in post we put the woody guthrie version at the end and really liked how that played and um, I gotta thank my, gotta thank my 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 editor and, and my and the assistant editor for putting that in. Uh, that was just kind of a fun thing that they dropped in. Um, and then you know it was like, well, then how do we give this like its own spin, its own feel? And I was like, man, Ruby could do some really killer vocals on this, just because. And it just popped into my head, and then I was like, contacted the the producer who knew her, and you know, blah blah blah, everything happened. And then what is it? A couple weeks later. I'm speaking with Ruby Modine and she's recording tracks and I'm listening to, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're actually recording a song for this movie. We're recording a goddamn song for wrong turn. It's insane. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I I was wondering how that came about because, you know, it's easy to just say, well, uh, you know, he worked with Matthew Modine and he talked to Ruby and Ruby was just like, here, have the song. And it wasn't (laughs) like that at all. No, no, it was, it was a great, again, like what was really cool is, I mean, throughout this whole process, like everybody was an artist and everybody got to work together and do what they do best. And that's that's what was so, so great. Um, we haven't even touched on some of the rest of the cast. How did you get to, to know them and uh, get them in the movie? Um, you know, it was just, you know, watching audition tapes. Um, that's how I found uh, Verdon and um, Adrian, um, mm-hmm. by Gary and Louise. Um, they were no brainers. 
like they were like the two that you know you you watch the the lineup and you're like yep it's Verdon yep it's Adrian like no, no question mm-hmm. uh, and and you know, and then uh, uh, then Aiden has a has a little bit of a different story. We we did have a uh, a cast. We did cast uh, Darius at one point, and uh, um, they dropped out very last minute, mm. mm. uh, which was like, oh really? <laughs> You're doing that <laughs> us? Um, but what came about was Aiden Bradley, who I feel like I can't see Darius any other way, like. Um, we got really lucky that, that, that our first actor dropped out, honestly, because like, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we we were happy with him. We liked him and, you know, he was really great actor. Um, but I think, you know, for me, Aiden really brought something, um, far more grounded, um, uh, to the character than, than I feel like we would have gotten. Um, so I think that was, that was really, that was fate working for us. Um. Dylan uh, came into the room and auditioned for us um, with uh, Nancy Nair, and he was one of those guys that we had come back, um, uh, and not because you know we weren't sure we knew he was going to be Adam. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but we wanted him to come back and audition uh, with some some uh, some Milas, um, and the more and more he he auditioned, and the more and more he worked with some of these actresses, the more and more we were like, yeah, this is no brainer. Um, mm-hmm. so he was great. He just brought this like this cocky energy to him, and he's he's such a loose cannon and a fun guy that like he was really just he was Adam, and it was interesting to hear his point of view on like because we were always worried like who's gonna want to play Adam? Like Adam's kind of a d bag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, um, he like he honestly was like, well, no, yeah, I mean, he is kind of this this loose cannon, this guy that you know you might not like. He goes, but I kind of want to play that guy to be honest with you. And immediately we're like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. <laughs> like, because I think that's interesting. Like, I kind of want to do that. I think it's a challenge. And so that was cool. And then with with Mila, um, uh, who is played by Emma Dumont, I had spoken to her um, through uh, Skype uh, a few times. And I just, she just got it, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, we really hit it off. And I just, you know, I love what she was able to do in The Gifted. And, um, you know, she's, not only that, you know, the thing with actors and when I love casting actors, I love when actors basically have a second life or Mm -hmm. do some really, you know, interesting things with their life. They're not just actors. Um, And Emma was one of those who like, when you start to learn who she is, you're just like, Oh my God. Like she teaches kids. She goes to school for like robotic science or something Mm. like that. Like she's getting her degree in like robotics or something. Mm. Uh, She plays the auto harp, like banjo. Like she's like incredibly talented person. So all those little like quips and, 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 and things that, that, that an actor have. um, I love when um, they can bring not necessarily to the story, because I mean, it's not like we had, Mila playing the banjo, um, which would have been cool, but, um, <laughs> but you know, it just they have layers. You know, these people have layers, and yeah, they can bring those layers, I think, to the characters. Um, well, you know, the other part of this movie, and I don't want to get this is also in the spoiler territory, so I I, I want to uh, tread lightly on this, but I believe the the Darius Clemens character is another one of these characters that you're going to be thinking about after this movie. Oh yes. Uh, because at the beginning of this, uh, you know, this there, it, he's, he's on a trajectory of, 
you know, he, you know, it, it looks like that, you know, he and, and, uh, and Jen may, may get married at some point and, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, or, you know, it's, it's on that track and he's still kind of like, I don't know what I want to do and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a very clear idea of what he wants to do, but not how to accomplish it, mm-hmm. but he's got an arc uh that by the end of his arc you're like oh my god i gotta think about this for a second because Uh what does that say what does that say about the nation as a whole when he says the things that he says and i'm like oh my god uh this is one of the parts about this movie that i love um so i if you can talk about that in any way without spoiling it i and he's even willing to like he's basically willing to like potentially face consequences for that too right because i mean i, I don't know it, it's hard to talk about this <laughs> yeah yeah but anything that you want you can you can touch on without spoiling it i would love to hear your your thoughts on it you know alan was and you know you'll hear some of alan talking about this in in some of the um um there's a behind the scenes doc that we have that will be on the dvd and um you get to hear alan talk about this a little bit because, mm-hmm. you know, one thing that he mentions is, you know, he's like, you know, when Darius will say makes a decision that that decision um, it is it's, it's, it's exactly what you said, Chris. It's like you start to wonder, wow, if he's going to make that decision, like how how broken is our society then? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, that, that, that he would feel more, you know. The, the, that that idea of of feeling accepted into a society you know you get you get where i where i'm coming from here like there's yeah there's, yeah i mean and and you, you don't have to i just thought there might be you know there might be something we could touch on but uh obviously we don't want to spoil that too much because that's one of those revelations in the movie but uh i i really really loved that part and uh you know in in, everybody involved with that scene uh, to make it the way it was i i really appreciated it and i at least wanted to let you know that and there's and there's such a and there's such a great build to it too that you know it's it's not it's not necessarily hit you over the head but it's there if you're paying attention Mm -hmm. and um and so you get it yeah yeah it is very bittersweet well, and Chris um, even Chris even said early on, you know, he was putting a quotation around antagonists. I mean, that's one of the interesting things about this movie, because even like the even like the Tim Dazarn character. Yes. Um, oh, you God, know, I love, love Tim Dazarn, man. God, oh, he's I, great. I, I will say, though, based on all the characters I've seen him play, he terrifies me. I'm sure he's the nicest guy. <laughs> he is the nicest guy. He's like, he is this like he would never hit hurt a fly like. Yeah. This like hippie dude who's super healthy and like he is just a, a wonderful wonderful person i love that guy like he's the kind of guy you want you want to go you want to hang out with and just chill yeah and he's he immediately after cabin in the woods like i know a lot of people talk about walter gorney you know uh, crazy ralph as kind of that uh i guess the M, like the the symbol of the like the the guy who warns you in the slasher movies Yep. <laughs> but I think I think Tim kind of took that over. Like, that's all I see now is him uh, after <laughs> after Cabin in the Woods came out. So, well, and that was and what was really interesting about casting uh, Tim was, um, you know, we were trying to t- trying to cast that character of Nate Rhodes and got some audition tapes from from local casting and uh, down in Cincinnati. And nothing was quite like nothing just wasn't quite working the way I wanted it to. And 
And so they're like, okay, so who, who, if you could like, you could have anybody, if like, if there's an actor that we can have like to like show us what you're looking for, like who would it be? And I'm like, I mean, like somebody like Tim Desarn. Um, and then it was so great is uh, Lynn Meyer, who um, um, runs the casting out there um, in Cincinnati, was like, oh, I know Tim. He's he's from here. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And she goes, yeah, I know. Him. I'll just send him the script and see if he wants to do it. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> it's like, we could just get Tim. Yeah. <laughs> That's who you want. A couple days later, he reads the script. I'm in. That's so cool. And a lot of, the, and, and I mean, I think, you know, when I spoke with him, you know, one of the things that he really liked about this role was, I mean, yes, he knows that he's that guy that's been cast now as this, this hick. Um, <laughs> but he likes where it went because that's where he felt like there was something different and something that, you know, there's, there was something actually quite redeemable about him that. Um, Absolutely. Been, not only do I not see that, much in movies mike but um i don't get to do that uh that often and um it was yeah it was a joy to work with him and 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 to and to to explore that character with him for sure and again to 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 your point about you know um antagonists in quotes you know you 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 could call you could call each group of people in this movie antagonists Mm -hmm. they're all they're all you have almost this triangle you know you have you have the city kids you got the townsfolk and you got the foundation and they're all making big, big mistakes. They're all judging each other. They're all stereotyping each other. And ultimately what we're saying here in this movie is you stereotype and you get in big trouble. It's dangerous. Yeah. And you're in trouble and you could die. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, uh, I've been asking a lot of directors this, uh, what was your most difficult day on set? It was doing the uh, the stuff in the caves, the uh, or the um, the uh, the tunnels with all the torches. <sighs> that is nightmare fuel, man. I I really enjoyed mm-hmm. going through the tunnels in the caves. Oh, yeah, was, the... It, yeah, so the the stuff that was hardest when we were doing what we'll call it the um, um, we'll say the court. Um, all through that stuff, through 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 the you know court, the 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 altar of punishment, the the darkness. Um, that those, we were, we were in those tunnels for four days and it was just, it it was harrowing. It was cold. It was dirty. You know, you Uh, you had to uh wear a mask. Like we were wearing masks before you had to wear masks. Like it was, it was just, it was gross. And they, these torches that we'd burn, you know, you could, they would only burn for a few minutes. So you could only, Mm. you know, so like you, you do, you, you light them. And, you know, you have to be ready. And so then you go and then, you know, you go through the scene and you get as far as you can and then you have to stop and then you have to, you know, relight the torches, go back a few lines. And then, you know, and you you just it was such a challenge. And, you know, then, you know, thank goodness we have, you know, actors who just like were on top of it and, you know, they get it and they they stay focused. Um, It was it was just I think it was unpleasant for everybody because, you know, the actors, they don't have any. They're like in their underwear and they're like on their knees on this hard floor and you see their bare feet and like, you know, it's like, it's just, it's so gross and there's blood everywhere and you're just like, oh, it it was gross. So it it smelled really good. It smelled really good. I bet. Oh my gosh. It was terrible. It was, it was just awful. And like, and we were just, we were just racing to get in because there was so much material in there and so important to get the performances right. And um you know a scene that you know we took four days and and we you know having having an extra day in there would have been 
would have been great, but you know, that's, that's, that's the type of filmmaking we were doing here. I mean, we shot this movie in 26 days. I mean, we were, we wow. Were mm. Is it hard to light a scene like that? Well, it's, I mean, so much was those torches, you know, the torches did so much. We had these led panels that we were using for extra stuff. You know, we had, we, there was this point where we had these, um, these big chandeliers and if you ever talk to to Nick Junkersfeld, the, the DP, this was like a nightmare scenario where we had we had had uh, we had had um, um, Art build these great big antler chandeliers that we were going to hang from the ceiling that were going to emit all this great like light from above that would like mm-hmm. bring the the actors' eyes and darkness and all this cool stuff. And when they would drill into the ceiling of this old tunnel, which was it used to be an old brewery um, mm-hmm. tunnels uh, in Cincinnati where um there was um uh they, where they would store the beer and it was old and it's like 100 over 100 years old down here and they you know they it was tested and it supposedly it was supposed to be uh, load bearing and right when they put those chandeliers up they came crashing to the duran and shattered oh my god oh my and goodness so it, it's 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 ultimately what what uh because and that really slowed us down because that was supposed to be a huge lighting thing so we had to rethink you know put some more torches in, bring in some more lights. And, and ultimately, you know, we, we ended up getting another day out of it, out of insurance. Mm. Um, that was such a huge deal, but yeah, it was a challenge. But once we found like the thing that worked, you know, it, it you know, we got set back quite a bit, but then we, we ended up getting back on our feet. So yeah. that was in Cincinnati. That was right in downtown Cincinnati. <laughs> that's, that's really weird. Oh to my think God. About. That's insane. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? Like, I know I'm kind of pulling the curtain back, but like, that's, that's they were. It makes it better to know that it's in downtown Cincinnati, I, I, though. Absolutely. <laughs> like, the, the, like I, after I, you I were done that. shooting, you could just go grab some Skyline Chili. You were good oh to go. Oh, my gosh, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it looks like we're about to run up against it. Yeah. Jonathan, do you have any uh, other questions? No, I... No, I mean nothing that wouldn't be a spoiler. So no, we're, <laughs> we, we covered all the casting. So yeah, no, we're good. I I just really enjoyed the movie, man. I'm a big fan of the domestics too, by the way. I oh, uh, and this is kind of a this could be kind of a cousin uh, to the domestics. I mean, they're different movies, but there's some interline underlying things in both of them. I think that work. You know, cousin once uh, cousin yeah. once or twice removed. Absolutely, yeah. like you know. But I mean, honestly, that's where I think. You know, it's, 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 you know, when Noah brought the script to me, he goes, I'm Mike, I think this has some of your DNA in it. And he was mm-hmm. right. Like, you know, there was yeah. something that, you know, not only spoke to me about, you know, what the story was trying to say, but there was also, you know, the visuals and, and the intensity and, and, and what the story, what was going on and all that stuff just really synced up the world building of creating a, a, a different world on a mountain mm-hmm. uh, uh, was, was just, it was so, um Yeah it was so cool to, to be able to do, I mean, just, yeah, feel incredibly blessed to be able to be uh, in this position and to tell stories like this. It's so cool. And in the underground tunnels of Cincinnati as well. So. <laughs> and of all places in the underground tunnels of Cincinnati. Yeah. All right. Well, we'd like to thank Mike P. Nelson for his time. Uh, the movie wrong turn is on on-demand digital Blu-ray and DVD on February 23rd. Uh, Mike, thanks a lot for uh, talking with us today. Dude, you guys, it's been a pleasure. I love this. Uh, That's going to do it for this interview. It's Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com.